the kids that are coming from um, homes without a father, you know, and sometimes not a mother present, it's our responsibility to mentor them, to reach out, to look outside of our comfort level of our world or our box and pick up a kid to go grocery shopping with us or take out to lunch and you begin a mentor relationship with them. And through that relationship, you open up their eyes to see a different, um, mm-hmm. a different, a different way. way of living. Recent studies have found that nearly 19 million children in the U.S. are growing up with only one parent, and that over a fourth of those single parents are wrestling with poverty. Today, we're joined by guests from Father's Love, a ministry that works primarily with children from low-income, single-parent homes. They're following a great calling to help families connect with each other and God. Before we join them, though, please take a moment to check out David Wilkerson's audiobook, Have You Felt Like Giving Up Lately? It's available now as a free download at worldchallenge.org. We're able to make resources like this audiobook and podcast available thanks to generous support from our listeners. Please consider donating to power the mission and make these works possible. And now here's our host, Gary Wilkerson. Hey guys, welcome to the... um Gary Wilkerson podcast, but I'm here today with uh, some uh, family and good friends of ours from Father's Love Ministry down in uh, Jacksonville, Texas, not Jacksonville, Florida. I just returned from (coughs) Jacksonville, Florida last night, and um, not to be confused with Jacksonville, Texas, but uh, uh, Brent and Melissa uh, Wagner, right? The Mm -hmm. Wagners from from there, and uh, longstanding World Challenge. leader and aficionado in making all things go, run well and uh, and also happen to be my brother-in-law Roger Yonker we're glad to have you guys here with us today thanks for joining us so you guys run uh, father's love so Roger why don't you tell me what what, what is father's love is it uh, what, what kind of ministry is it and who does it serve yeah, it's a ministry really to uh, what we call at-risk kids uh, okay. we focus in on kids that are 10, 10 years of age, all the way up to about 18 years of age. And uh, uh, you know, it's a, a place where we try to teach them about the love of Christ. Uh, a lot of them do not have fathers, or if they do have fathers, they're not involved in their lives. And uh, uh, we try to tell them that there is a loving father yeah. that cares for them, that loves them. And uh, we try to disciple them. We try to uh, teach them about the things of God and train them in the ways of ways of God. Yeah, it's a great need that... Uh the uh, you guys are working in the ministry as well. That, that youth culture is uh, it's like uh, seems to be getting further and further from God, further and further from the church, further and further from the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're seeing a lot of that, like kind of a fatherlessness um, uh, <clears throat> in the area because you guys are more in a it's kind of an inner city ministry, as you were saying, but in a rural mm-hmm. context a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. and how long you guys has been with the ministry? So we've been there since it started in Jacksonville. Which was when? Uh, so it's 12 or 13 years ago. Well, okay. So yeah. you guys have been faithful, consistent. Mm-hmm. You've seen. <laughs> and um, so um, I'm just curious, in the in a rural context, you know, in kind of East Texas countryside, do you see the same kind of addiction to um, the iPhone and uh, the, the gaming and things like that? Yeah, there's can't imagine that it would be any worse in the city, in wow. a big city, than it is where okay. we're at. As far as, um, you know, we have 10-year-olds that have phones, like their phone, and um, they're on it all the time. We have a policy where then when they come, we take it because we don't want to get lost or stolen or broken. Okay, yeah. Plus, we don't want to be distracted while they're there. But, um, I mean, we have kids all the time that are trying to keep it on them. 
I'm not giving. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're they're. Uh, I've heard that this is like the first generation now that's grown up with, um, you know, a supercomputer in their pocket. Yeah. And um, addicted to video games and social media. Yeah. I mean, that's their world. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's yeah. the exposed very young to pornography. Mm-hmm. All the dangers that come with that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just ruining hearts and minds and and uh, <clears throat> making it almost impossible to have a healthy relationship. Um, <clears throat> you know, between a <coughs> excuse me, a young man and a young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, we actually have a, 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 a security one we used to use. Uh, when the kids would come in, we would take their cell phones away. Mm-hmm. And they would take, and a lot of times they would try to hide them and yeah. they didn't want us to let us know that, that they had them. So we'd take the little wand and it would go off and <laughs> confiscate it. You know, <laughs> oh, wow. But we wouldn't be able Security to, to focus in on what we're talking about yeah. and be able to relate to them and engage You know, them. one of the things, and I remember when we got that, um, <clears throat> was in response not to cell phones, but it was. We had a young, young man. Uh, he's maybe 15 mm-hmm. at the time, and his mom found a gun mm-hmm. in, his, in his jacket uh, one day. Mm-hmm. And she, she told us about it. Uh, and, and this kid was getting into trouble at school, and he was getting into fights, and so mm-hmm. she was worried that he was gonna use it. Yeah. And so um, uh, when he came, it was a cold day, and our gym is kind of, uh, it's, a, it's just a covered gym. There's not like heat in it, so but the kids still love playing basketball even in yeah. the cold. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so he came in with that big puffy jacket and we had a lot of kids there and we were you know so we ended up using that wand thankfully he didn't bring it okay Um, but that was kind of what spurred it but yeah the cell phone part of it definitely is the kids all the time trying to keep it up we started in father's love when we started we did that and that was like i mean a decade ago so taking a kid's cell phone up at the start of a less than a decade ago was not as big a deal as doing it now Mm -hmm. but that we started that so early on I think was really helpful. They're used to that culture. They just, mm-hmm. they pass them in at the start and that's just the way it is. Yeah. I don't think we realized how how important that would be down the road, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? That's right, yeah. What are the, uh, <clears throat> what are some of the main um, difficulties these young people are facing in your context uh, in, the, in the East Texas there? Or, or, or And it's probably, you know, that's real middle America to some degree. So what, what right. kids are facing there, they're facing in Kansas City and mm-hmm. in St. Louis and then mm-hmm. uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Jacksonville, Florida, where I was just <clears throat> probably mm-hmm. the same kind of things. Maybe some of the context like L.A., New York, Chicago might be slightly different for a 10 to 18-year-old. But what mm-hmm. are some of the things that are facing a 10 to 18-year-old uh, in the ministry you're working with that father's love? There's a statistic I read recently and talked about, uh, it's talking about the United States as a whole. But it says 900,000 to mm-hmm. a million kids have experienced uh, either abuse or mm. neglect. That's yeah. a large number, that's in the United yeah. States. We have a, a prayer box where we ask the kids to put the prayer request in. And probably the two most frequent things that we see are the same things, neglect or abuse. Yeah. Uh, we have kids that uh, they come and they, once we develop a relationship with them, they share. And uh, one of the things that they, one, one girl shared just recently that uh, you know she was raped by a ex, uh, her uh, mother's ex-boyfriend on uh, several occasions and uh, never, never there's never any healing that took place so yeah. something that happened was kind of pushed under the cover yeah. but she's worse. dealing with this mm-hmm. yeah. and then hopefully you know because of the relationship that we develop with them uh, they open up and they share and then we're able to share you know Christ with them and yeah. see a healing take place but wow. uh, neglect and abuse is a, is a, a big item yeah. yeah we talked about it on this podcast before 
uh, uh, Christian counselors talk about two different types of trauma, and one being uh, something that should never happen to a child that did happen, and that's where the, you know, being hit, being sexually abused, being called a name, and that that creates trauma in a child's life. And the second type of trauma is less pronounced, but sometimes more difficult to deal with, and that's things that should have happened to you that didn't happen to you, right. and that's where you have a father speak into your life. You have mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a full family unit, so you have a, a mother and father there to care for you in, in the unique ways that masculine and feminine can do. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, they're speaking into your life, uh, helping you have courage, helping you have direction and stuff like that. So I think and you're, and you, that's what you're speaking of. Like abuse right. is the physical, sexual harm, and then neglect is, uh, and there's even <clears throat> there's even that emotional uh, inavail- unavailability. So it's like even if the mother's there, maybe a single mom, right. which I'd like to talk about that in a moment. <clears throat> um, you know, they might be under such anxiety and stress and <clears throat> pain and suffering themselves or having gone through trauma themselves that mm-hmm. they're not emotionally available mm-hmm. to their children. So even if there's a, a mom or a dad in the house, it's sometimes hard for them to do that. So what percentage of the kids you're working with are from a, a single family home? Mm-hmm. I don't know if we have any numbers, but I would say at least 50%, maybe 75%. Does that seem like a fair? Yeah. Most of the kids that we work with come from my guess is at least 75 percent maybe maybe up to 90. yeah maybe maybe what's rare what's more surprising is is to see a kid from a home with the mother and father in the home right yeah that's very uncommon Mm -hmm. and you can see a difference between those kids yeah they do much better and do you have a why behind that why why do those numbers skew so high well i mean Mm -hmm. one one thing is that that's kind of who we're targeting I mean, that's who okay. we want oh, okay. to yeah, yeah. So, <clears throat> unfortunately, uh, in culture, that's uh, the socioeconomic ramifications. Like, there are certain neighborhoods that you're going to have a higher percentage of kids that are coming from single-parent homes. And those are the neighborhoods that we're yeah. mostly in. I mean, we're open to all youth mm-hmm. in, in Jacksonville, but um, that's kind of who yeah. we, our heart is to go for. So that's, that's probably the main reason yeah. why our numbers are that high. Right. Um, but... And I don't know the statistics on, you know, just the, the whole population, but, um, you know, more and more kids are coming from either divorced, separated mm-hmm. homes or um, never got married in the first place, you know. Yeah. Um, so. I would say that a lot of the families start from a single parent home. There's never a father that's really in the home. They don't even split up half the time. It's, there's so much teen pregnancy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, and that's, that's the main thing. I mean, the, the, the main a group of kids that we work with predominantly come from mom who never got married you know so there was mm-hmm. never that that unit um, and oftentimes I mean and we're seeing it more and more you know over the years uh, you see how vivid it is that uh, you have a, a mom or, or a young lady that becomes a mom at a young age mm-hmm. and so she's raising a kid um, she, with no experience, she right. didn't have a dad at home. She maybe mm-hmm. not had a mom at home or whatever, and and so she's you know uh, very much a kid herself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So that and that just perpetuates all the, all the the issues that come with that. Yeah. You know? And in Jack- Jacksonville itself, where the, the city that we work out of, uh, the statistic is uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, you talked about uh, 
teenage pregnancies. It's mm -hmm. got the highest rate per capita is in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. And uh, not just one child, but you have a teenage girl that gets pregnant, has a child, and then she has another child and another mm -hmm. child. So it's multiple yeah. children that a single right. mom is trying to raise. Yeah, and sometimes you see grandmothers that are like 32 years old, you know, yeah. 33 yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah. that's really pretty pretty uh, it's kind of makes for a pretty rough life so if you got trauma you've got abuse you've got um, teenage moms who maybe aren't prepared for raising kids so these kids grow up in an environment what results what are you seeing when the kids come to you what are, what are they like uh, a lot of kids they don't know how to deal with um, authority figures um, and it's kind of a natural um, result of that and so they so you're the authority figure how do they treat you uh, it depends. Okay. Um, you know, we try to always, um, you know, we, we uh, part of our program is we, we have a gym, so we play a lot of games. Yeah. And so I'm out there playing with them. Yeah. Um, if, uh, you know, we to get them in order, you know, we get them on a line. And if, if I give them 10 seconds to get on the line, if they can't do it, the whole group does push-ups. I'll do push-ups oh, with really? them, you know. Okay. <laughs> we'll play basketball. Um, you know, doing whatever we can just to kind of relate with them. Um, and so that always helps. Yeah. Uh, I know when we first began, um, you know, back in my in former life before kids and everything, uh, I would stay up late and play basketball until um, I mean, all hours of the night. Right. And so that, that group of guys and then their friends and then their friends, they just knew me as kind of like coach, you know, like we, I would get out there and play. Yeah. And that gave me a lot of, um, I think the kids call it, Street cred. Street cred. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so that, you know, a guy who you know, I never met would come in and know me because I play basketball with him. Yeah. And so. Um, so they kind of respect you then? Yeah, so there's a little bit, of, you're starting <laughs> off with that. Um, but if a kid doesn't know me from anybody and they come in, uh, it depends on the personality of the kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, you know, for example, the phone thing, if we say, hey, we, we yeah. have a policy, and a lot of kids will kick back against that, yeah. um, they might reluctantly give it or they might say no I gotta call my mom or okay. you know or I gotta I'm not giving yeah. my phone so authority <clears throat> what other things do you see happening um, are any of the kids at that age starting to experiment with drugs or mm -hmm. you know, yeah. oh yeah for sure um, I mean we have um, tons of, of uh, especially late middle school maybe and in high school uh, is where they're really starting to experiment um, you know, I had a young young man just tell me his his family, um, which is pretty pretty rough kind of a family, uh, kind of almost had an intervention mm. for him because they they saw some some yeah. things in his life that uh, he was going in the wrong direction pretty far pretty mm. fast. Yeah, and um, so mostly it's marijuana that they start off with, um, but we we know of uh, several several kids that um, you know got into cocaine and meth mm. and. Wow. And it, uh, it's kind mm -hmm. of, you start to learn it's like a self-medicating um, mm -hmm. thing. There's, mm -hmm. you know, depression or neglect or um, loneliness. loneliness, and then they're coming into adolescence and don't really know what to do with that. So that could be a self, that a coping mechanism that they turn to drugs. Mm -hmm. I know um, a lot of the kids you have, they're promiscuous, and if there is abuse, like sexual abuse in the past, it's it makes it even worse. The young girls will grow up with not a sense of their body being private, you know, and they just um, become promiscuous at a very young age, and um, that causes all kinds of trouble and mm -hmm. heartache, you know. Oh, yeah. Nothing Gary, would be the, the poverty that they live mm -hmm. in. Uh, yeah. The school district that's uh, north of us, Tyler, Texas, it's a bigger, you know, bigger city than Jacksonville, but uh, we had a, uh, the president of the 
independent school district of the trustees mentioned that 75 percent of the kids in the school system are in poverty in tyler or in, in, Jackson- in tyler jacksonville Jackson- is probably yeah, very the, similar is what i'm assuming that yeah. happens to be the big city that's close to us right. and right. said that statistic which that kind of surprised me that's three out of four kids are yeah. living in poverty and i think the area you mentioned is actually fairly more affluent than mm-hmm. even jacksonville or at least the neighborhood yeah. you're working in so yeah that's 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 probably a pretty out there statistic compared to the rest of the nation, but not unlike a lot of cities as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you're living in poverty, you're talking about a, a single mom usually trying to trying to raise kids by herself, trying to pay the gas bill on minimum wage, yeah. trying to pay the food bill, trying to take care of herself or job. Yeah. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of. Uh, uh, you know, doing it by yourself, yeah. and uh, it's a struggle. We had a young girl, that, uh, a teenage girl, that came and shared a prayer request with one of our staff members, and she said, can you pray that I get a job? And our staff person thought, hey, that's neat that you're trying to get a job, but you're only 14 years of age. Why? Mm-hmm. I want to help my mom. Yeah. I see her struggling. I see the emotional turmoil that it, that it takes, and yeah. I want to be able to help her. I got thinking, you know, a 14-year-old girl should be enjoying her teenage years, and here she's concerned. You know, thank God that she is concerned, but she's trying to help her mother mm-hmm. with the bills and everyday everyday mm-hmm. living. Wow, that's tough stuff. You know, it's hard to see. It must be uh, taxing on you guys to day in and day out. You're working with these mm-hmm. poverty and addictions and uh, brokenness. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> speak for a moment about the the the, the parent, whether it be a dad. I don't know if there's any dads raising kids there at all, or yeah, a couple couple dads. See, but yeah. uh, so a, a single dad or a single mom or a couple that's living in poverty that are or low income uh, kids are t- same age 10 to 18 and they're starting to get out there on the streets and maybe get a little violent or have a gun or start to do drugs uh, do you minister to the parent as well or is it all just the, the kids do you ever ever have conversations with mom yeah yeah uh, absolutely i mean we it's kind of an extension of our ministry is to to uh, work with the parents um just recently, actually, uh, Saturday before we came up here, um, I had a mom call me because we had to uh, kind of kick kick her son out just uh, for that one day. How old is he? Um, he's 15, 15 or 16. So yep. she was, uh, that's got to be heartbreaking for her. Yeah, and she loves our program, yeah. and she, she wasn't mad, but she wanted to know why, you know, obviously. And so I just talked to her and I just told her, like, hey, you know, um, he, he was kind of, picking on a seventh grader and I told him stop he wouldn't stop yeah whatever the issue was and um but you know and she's um uh, in a she she has a uh there's a dad around or a stepdad around um but I know that family's been through a lot Mm. um but yeah I mean we've we uh always are trying to keep our ear open for any time that a kid comes and shares something that that's family related um I don't know if it was the same girl that you were mentioning, but she had said that um, they had been with without hot water uh, for about two years. And so, oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. so we we didn't know, and we she has five kids, four of them either come or have come to our program, and uh, so we were happy to help, and so we ended up putting a hot water heater in. Wow. I'm going to ask all – I'm glad you guys did that. That's, that's, that's <laughs> – I almost didn't catch that. You put the hot water heater in for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a lot of times you're talking to the kids, you'll see these physical needs that need to yeah. take place, and we pray about it. We see if we can actually do it. Yeah. If it's a major renovation, we're not able to do it, but if it's something simple, like yeah. you are saying, put a hot water heater in, we try nice. to we try to do that for them. That yeah. gives us a rapport with the, with the family. Wow, love that. 
just to keep, keep on the subject of family, so let, let, just uh, I want to ask all three of you this question. Just pretend we put another chair here, and one of the, one of your moms from your program, or or maybe somebody who's listening, uh, came into our studio today, and she's like, you know, 32 years old. She has a 15-year-old son. He's starting to experiment with drugs. He's running around with the wrong crowd. Um, she's she's worried. She's anxious. What what do you say to her? I'll start with you, Roger, if you don't mind. Probably try to encourage her to have her child come to Father's Love. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, usually we ask the mom to come as well so she has a better idea of what we're about. And we right. can try to describe it to her, but actually being there, seeing what we do, yeah. kind of gives her a, a, comfort, a comfort feeling. Yeah. And then uh, once the child gets there, hopefully, a lot of times when the child comes, they'll see friends of theirs from school, and it kind of encourages them to, to come. Yeah. And if they come, that's to me, that's the, the seed that we've got yeah. there. There, we can expose them to, to Christ at that yeah. time. So, really, just getting them to come into our, our facility is okay. what we try to get the parents to yeah. do. That's good. So, as you trust the work that God's called you to do, that mm -hmm. you, you know, you can help people. What, uh, uh, and for those who don't live in Jacksonville, maybe they're listening to our podcast today and they have this, this, um, you know, again, son or daughter who's troubled. So uh, what I hear you saying then is like, you know, if it's not Father's Love in Jacksonville, it could be the youth group at your local church or um, Awana's is another uh, type of thing. I, I remember going to Royal Rangers. Did you ever yeah, hear that? Yeah, you, the you, Assembly. You, okay. Have you heard of that? I heard of it, yeah. You've heard of it? Okay, yeah. yeah. That was kind of cool. We made these uh, wood cars that were racing cars that went down the... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> no one get off subject here. But yeah, I mean, those are good influences. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so many bad influences out there. I think your advice is well taken that it's important to get them in an environment um, because you know you go as you go in whatever community and you're going to become like you know right. I've heard people say like you know uh, introduce me to your five closest friends and I'll tell you what you're going to be like you know you're mm -hmm. going to be like that so how about yourself uh, Melissa what would you say um, to this I, especially with teenagers I would say it's just all about relationship so if there's a breakdown in relationship with the mom doesn't feel like they can communicate well with the kids I would you know, we could try to come in and help bridge the gap or encourage them to go to counseling, you know, um, try to figure out what, why is the teenager taking the drug? What are they trying to, you know, heal on their own or medicate, you know? And um, I would say try to build that relationship and understand what's going on in the young person's life that they're mm -hmm. turning to that substance. Mm -hmm. I would, for sure, we would pray with them or encourage them to pray. You know, for their son or daughter. Yeah. Good. good. Any anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, definitely think that you know the teenage years is a time where they're breaking away from mom and dad. Um, you know, relationally and authority-wise, they're making their own decisions. Um, and so, keeping that relationship open and not just being the authority figure all the time um, is is difficult to do for a parent. Um, but it's a natural break that needs to happen or not, I wouldn't call it a break because it's not it's not instantaneous you know it's a process but uh, keeping the airways open as far as what's going on in their life um, might be some some um, things that the, the mom or dad need to apologize and, and ask for forgiveness for because there might be some ways mm -hmm. that they've um, uh, sure, surely they're not encouraging the, the that type of behavior but at least there's uh, the, that relationship in there is so crucial um, that being able to ask for forgiveness uh, yeah. might bring down some walls. Mm. Um, and then, like like Melissa said, um, you know, kids kids need relationship not just with peers, but with other people outside of their parents as well um, that can speak into their lives. And so um, we we always are 
wanting more mentors to be a part of our program. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, having somebody who's older, grounded, um, hopefully knows Jesus. Yeah. Uh, but even if they don't know Jesus, somebody who is, um, um, you know, mature enough to, to help, uh, you know, the young man or woman, you know, see their choices and just just to be a big friend, big brother that yeah. they can <coughs> guide them through, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, but it's, a, it's a, such a tough situation for a single mom or single dad to see their kid make bad decisions. I mean, yeah. it's heart-wrenching. You know? yeah. So, so, so more, more adults there is involved in a child's life, the better chance mm-hmm. they have a success. Yeah. So if you've got a single mom, there's only one adult. But if there's a dad, even if it's a, uh, a deadbeat dad or, or just somebody that's not you know, that's there but not, mm-hmm. not really involved in the kid's life, that helps. And then right. you have a coach or you have a, a Sunday school teacher or a neighbor, a, a, a Christian that would take an interest in that child, the chances mm-hmm. of that child doing well yeah. and succeeding uh, is increased tremendously. Wow, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, <clears throat> I, I couldn't uh, be more in alignment with what you're saying, the, the idea of, to, you know, sort of, I think parents, you know, and maybe even a single parent in the ministry that I've been involved with and helping people like that in, in that situation, <clears throat> they want to see their kids have um, relationships like because some some you know sometimes there there's a, a difficulty adjusting yeah. uh, like you know uh, you know so maybe if the mother's like you talked about earlier the mother's not prepared to be a mother so that kid's growing up and maybe hasn't learned social skills and, and so they're having a hard time fitting in that's why they go to gangs and drugs sometimes mm-hmm. and so the mother or the father is like oh, I'm so glad you found friends they may be the worst friends in the world uh, and, and so you're kind of abdicating your responsibility to right. train up a child and giving it over to to kids, thinking like that's good. They finally found some friends, you know, and like mm-hmm. you know, and hey, mom, I'm going over to you know so and so's house, and you don't check and you don't think, you know, yeah. you don't or you don't say no ever, and just and so <clears throat> you know, I'm with you that the parent uh, really the, the uh, <clears throat> there's this word uh, in counseling called attachment that that you know kids are going to be attached to somebody. Uh, and, and they're meant to be primarily attached to <clears throat> mother, father, and that's where they get their wise counsel and wisdom. If they're, <clears throat> if the mother and the father are not giving that to them, then they're going to attach outside of that, usually to peer group. And <clears throat> you do, as you know, uh, <clears throat> to be to your your primary mentor, a, t- a form of attachment being another 14-year-old who's mm-hmm. also gangbanging and doing yeah. drugs, right. is not. They're not going to get a whole lot of wise counsel. Mm-hmm. They're not going to like you know. Uh, this girl said this to me. What should I do? You know, write this on Facebook. You know, mm-hmm. they're getting the getting the, the worst kind of counsel, and then their life is spinning more out of control. And so, yeah. uh, you know, we uh, I always encourage uh, parents to, to to really care about like that. Is you are more important than they think you are. Mm. Uh, yeah. Your time with those kids, even if the kids are sort of like, uh, you know, because the kids go through that age where they're starting to say like. Uh, I don't want to be with you, mom. It's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. why can't you just let me go be with my friends? And, and just to protect that and say, nope, you know, put some discipline down. Say, no, you and I, we're going to go for a walk now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and that, that keeps that, you may not know it, and the kid may fight against it, but it keeps that sense of attachment towards towards the parent. Mm-hmm. Of course, that speaks a whole nother, I don't mean to ra- ramble on here. <laughs> You're my guest. I should be asking you to say. <laughs> uh, but <clears throat> that speaks to the parent that's being attached to have something good to say. Yeah. And that's where the discipleship of the parent is important, too, to, right. to do that. Yeah, that's so. a key thing, because all through the Bible, it talks about train a child in the ways of God. Yeah. Diligently teach the Word of God. But if there's not a Christian parent or there's not a Christian father, yeah. someone's going to step up to the plate. Yeah. And it's going to be that 14-year-old 
yeah. peer, you know, that's going to give them advice and, and yeah. tell them to do different things. Yeah. And that's, you know, um, the, uh, I wasn't part of youth group growing up, mm-hmm. um, but uh, now being a parent, realizing that uh, church is not a place where I drop my kids off to go get discipled, right? you know, or yeah. to share the gospel with. Yeah. Like my, my f- first ministry is in, in the home. Mm-hmm. Like I want to, um, like you said, I mean, I'm training my children um, about who God is and who is Jesus and what is sin and, you know, all of those things. And so, um, you know, that's where it begins. The church is, is a facilitator of that or is an encourager of that. Yeah. Uh, instead of just thinking, well, you know, uh, you know, taking them to a place can only do so much, yeah. you know. But like you said, the, the parental um, influence is so much greater than mm-hmm. I think we realize, yeah. you know. Yeah. But then, uh, so that's that. That's speaking for kids who are growing up in a home with a mm-hmm. Christian mother and father or parents who care. Mm-hmm. And when you're talking about kids from that we interact with that father's love, sadly they're many of them are coming from homes where there's so much neglect and there isn't that love and relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where we come in. That's where yeah, the body of Christ and what the Bible says, that is our responsibility, those mm-hmm. children. The kids that are coming from um, homes without a father, you know, and sometimes not a mother present, it's our responsibility to mentor them, to reach out, to look outside of our comfort level of our world or our box and pick up a kid to go grocery shopping with us or take mm-hmm. out to lunch and you begin a mentor relationship with them. Mm-hmm. And through that relationship, you open up their eyes to see a different, um, mm-hmm. a different, a different way. way of living, yeah. you know? So that's father's love. That is just, those are the kids that we really, you know, look out for and care for and that really gets stuck in your heart. And that's who God calls us to, to look out for. Mm-hmm. So, and as Christians, that's what we're responsible for. Those kids that are coming from so much less than what we're blessed with or what our own kids are blessed with in our home. What about the kids who have abuse in the background or who have been taken by CPS and are hopping from home to home? Mm-hmm. You know, who's taking care of them? Who's looking after them? That's our responsibility yeah. to reach out. That's a good thought. It's mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys for the ministry you've done and thanks for taking the time to. Uh, speak to us today. This is, uh, I really believe this could be helpful for some, whether it's a parent or somebody in ministry or even a teenager listening that they yeah. know that, uh, and I think one of the big takeaways is there's hope. Hmm. So well, thank thanks you for, Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. a privilege. Appreciate you guys. God bless. The Bible talks often about God caring for those who have been marginalized by society. As believers, we can be the hands and feet of his love to many single parents, teen parents, and children of broken homes. Please join us in praying for the workers at Father's Love and for the children who are longing for compassion and care. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge. Sound design for this episode by Mike Hallsmith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington with video production by Aaron Gale. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting. Well, we hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast for more encouragement in your Christian walk. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.